You're listening to Young Honest Mother, the podcast. Here, we'll chat about all things marriage, motherhood, and modern home economics in all honesty. I'm your host, Maurice Young. Before we dive into today's honest conversation, I'd like to point out that this episode is launching on the one-year anniversary of Young Honest Mother, the podcast. I uploaded the first three episodes of the show on July 31st, 2019, and I've learned so much during my time as a podcast host. One of the most important lessons I've learned in showing up every week for this podcast is that having honest conversations is a skill that can be cultivated. But many times we're left to figure out the details by ourselves as sharing what's on our hearts is something that's rarely taught. And I've heard from many people who say they've shied away from having honest conversations of their own because they didn't know how to go about it. So I decided to create a resource that sheds light on what is often overlooked. I wrote and designed an ebook to teach you how to have an honest conversation, and it's now available for you to shop. It contains over 20 pages of insight that can help you elevate your everyday honest conversations. It also has step-by-step guidance on how to start, maintain, and end honest conversations and eight hands-on activities that will support your conversational skill building every step of the way. Tap the link in the show notes to purchase your ebook today and transform the way you have honest conversations. And now, on to the show. Okay, so in honor of the one-year anniversary of Young Honest Mother, the podcast, I wanted to bring on the most special guest that I could. And so for today's episode, I have here with me my very own mom. So welcome mom to the podcast. Wow. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's truly an honor. Yay. I'm glad you're here and I'm excited for our conversation. So for all of those who are listening, my mom's name is Romay. So I'm going to start off with the question that I tend to start every episode off with, which is, who is Romay? I am a... creative person who gives love to her family Mm -hmm. and someone who also creates a a warm home for not only herself. I I like to have a place to come home to that is uh, welcoming Mm -hmm. for those who come in. So I like to create a space that is uh, peaceful, Mm -hmm. artsy, warm, tender, honest. And I also am a wife, a mother of four, and a big introvert. I'm trying to figure out what else I can say to answer this question. (laughs) I think that's a good start. Um, Yes. And I'm glad. So you already brought up so many things that I I want to dig into. But the first one that stands out to me is the way that you described your homemaking style. And for the listeners who have never been over to my mom's house, um, just to kind of put it into context, my mom is like the ultimate homemaker extraordinaire. Like She decorates by season. So she will set out various decor and objects for summer, fall, winter, spring. And she's an incredible cook. 
who makes all of these classic dishes that if you heard somebody mention like in a restaurant setting or something, you might feel like, eh, no, I'm definitely not going with that. But she makes them in such a special, loving way that they've become my favorite things to eat. Things like meatloaf, for example. Um, and she just creates exactly the way she described it, a very loving, warm, welcoming environment for all who enter in. So now that there's some context for the listener, mom, what inspired you to even take a route like that? Like what, what is it that motivates you to create a home in such a tender, loving way? I believe I wanted to provide that for you all to make sure that you all felt the love that I feel for you, that I could express it outwardly because that's what was inside of me. And I wanted to be sure that you felt the detail, Mm. if that makes sense. It does. Of how much love I genuinely feel for each of you. Wow. And I do different things for each of you. Mm -hmm. Will you say more about that? Uh, Each of you have different paths. And I'm sure everybody's household has different children who have different paths. Mm -hmm. But I try to approach the way I love you and care for you in what your needs are. And say, for instance, today, I'm doing a podcast with you, Maris, and (laughs) um, that's what your needs were, and that's what our needs were for today, and what a loving thing this was to be able to share this with you. Mm -hmm. And I have another daughter who's an an artist, and I do uh, various events with her, Mm -hmm. and a son that um, is very musical, and we we enjoy his music and we support him that way. And um, another child that's that's in college right now, so of course we're supporting her. So we do what we need to do and feel. I feel the need and the want to be there in in those ways too. It's like my my heart pulls for you for what you need. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that makes sense. It does. And I'm also curious too, because I wholeheartedly agree. You're definitely someone who from the beginning has supported each of your four children in the ways that they needed, which is I'm extremely grateful for. I know that that's not the case for everybody in their family situations, but did you ever feel like you were being pulled in too many directions? I know a lot of the conversations I have with younger mothers who they have one child right now and they're contemplating maybe having another one. And they're just like, I just don't know how I can do it all. Like, how can I keep up with everyone in their needs and 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 my needs and my husband's need? You know, all of that. So, Absolutely. did you ever feel like you were being stretched too thin? Absolutely, yes, indeed. I felt those ways when I was younger and I was a young mom, and I didn't do the best things. I, I was, I was abusive and I, um, acted in ways that were verbally and physically abusive to all four of my children. 
And I recently, within the last couple of years, apologized to them. But before then, I did make major changes in how I treated my children. I woke up, I woke myself up and realized this is not what mother, mama, mom should look like, Mm. should be for these four beautiful children that I chose to bring into this world. Mm-hmm. And I need to show them better. I need to be better for them. What are you doing? And I decided to make a change. And it was sudden, all of a sudden I decided, you, you need to do better. You need to do it now. And I did. And it was full circle. Mm. So what did the change look like for you? So you you had this awakening and this newfound awareness that you wanted to move forward in a different way. How did you go about doing it? I began to talk to my children rather than yell at my children. Mm -hmm. I began to give them an opportunity to talk to me and give me feedback give me their opinion, give me their love. And I was willing to accept anything that came from that. In the beginning, it was, it was unusual, so it was hard to uh, get used to. Mm-hmm. But I went with the flow. You know, you, you begin to understand this is a human being. Right. This is a human being, and this baby, this child, because you all were little, little children, um, probably no more than ten when I when I stopped hitting and yelling, and um, that that's when it stopped. I don't think you all were teenagers. I don't. You can tell me, but um, that's my recollection, and. I just remember finally getting comfortable with who you all were and beginning to learn who I was Mm. as a mom, as a woman. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely big discoveries in all of those realms. Mm -hmm. I'm curious. So you mentioned you were a young mom. Um, not that young, but you have yeah. me, the oldest for the listeners. Right. I'm the oldest of four. And my mom had me when she was 22, right? Yes. <laughs> and um, within seven-ish years, she had the rest of my siblings. So it was really, to me, as a child, as the oldest child, you know, I was always just like, wow, another baby's coming, you know? <laughs> I remember asking, I think when my Sorry brother about that. <laughs> when my brother was um when my mom's pregnancy with my brother was announced, or maybe it was my my fourth and final sibling when she was um announced, I was like, how are we all gonna fit in the car? 
I still remember that. It's like we made this- it work. We made it work. There weren't but, too many squabbles. Yeah, there weren't too many squabbles. But, um, <laughs> also, now as a mom myself, I can see how you know I went through an extreme. I would say um, identity shift in just having one child. Mm-hmm. So, what did it look like for you to become? a mom to one and then to quickly become mom to two, three, and then four? Wow. Well, to one, I was learning how to become a mom to you. Mm-hmm. And then I didn't know. I didn't know I was going through, I believe, postpartum. Like postpartum depression? Yes. Yes, indeed. And um trying to understand this this baby that I have and I I love her but what am I doing I'm doing this wrong and are we going to make it or you know there's something wrong with me and I don't know what it is so what did you feel was wrong with you I didn't know I didn't know what it was but I knew I didn't feel good Mm-hmm. I I knew I was sad. I knew I felt intense up and down feelings, emotions. Sometimes mm-hmm. I would feel angry, sadness, happiness. So I was going through a lot of things back then that I didn't know about then, but I do know now. Mm-hmm. So... And then I had had you to raise, and Daddy was at work, right? And then second daughter came two years and two months later, and then it started all over again, right? So I don't know if it ever ended, really. How did you get through it? I felt alone. I believe by then, Daddy he had a full time job, and then he started working on his master's degree. Mm. So I was juggling these emotions and juggling two babies. Mm -hmm. And I hadn't gotten my, my voice is what I call it is as to learn how to communicate to my husband. I need help. Mm. I need help for myself. I need help washing dishes. I need help uh, bathing babies. I need help. Yeah. When did that shift for you? How How is it that you ended up finding your voice? You know, I didn't find my voice until I found, began to find myself and looked at myself completely and told myself this, what you're doing to your children it's not right. And when I could look at myself honestly in, in the mirror and say, you need to do different, you need to do better, you need to be responsible, that's when I was able to start speaking my truth mm-hmm. and be able to communicate my, my needs. Mm. So it took many years. Yeah. And you, for the listener, um, to have some context, I was born in 1993. And I feel even now in 2020, 
that we're not having enough honest conversations about these things, which is of course why I started this podcast. So to think, you know, 27 years ago, um, the limited amount of support and resources that existed then surely was not uh, beneficial for anybody who was becoming a parent at that time. So did you see, because I know you have a lot of friends who are also parents, like, were you able to have conversations with them or like with your family outside of dad? Um, Like, were you able to talk about anything that you were going through with anyone else? Uh, I believe, I wouldn't say I believe, I know my mom talked to me Mm -hmm. because she, she knew me and she knew I was in trouble, but I wouldn't listen Mm. because I didn't know if she was being mom. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. Right. Instead of listening to your mom and taking a moment and saying, yeah, she is right. And you need to do something about your behavior, your depression, your fears, your anger. Mm -hmm. Take a step back from it for a minute and look at it for what it is. Right. Yeah. But outside of my grandma, who I call Nana, you didn't really have any conversations with friends or anybody like that. See, this is the funny thing. Back then, when you all were small, mm-hmm. well, I'd say small, like infant to five, I just stayed with family. Mm. I stayed to myself, even though I had lots of friends. I really just... That's, that was my issue. Mm. That was most of the problem is because I didn't socialize. I didn't talk to my friends. I didn't, it was all about babies, babies, babies. Mm-hmm. And I didn't get out of the house. I didn't go say, okay, dad, I'm going to take some time for myself mm-hmm. um, to go see a friend go to the store by myself. Right. Which is honestly a treat. <laughs> never. I would never. Until you all went to school mm-hmm. and you all made friends in school, those friends had mothers. Right. Then I had friends with mothers and we become friends. Mm-hmm. Then I felt safe to have friends that way with you mm. all. So that way we could have play dates and such. But I didn't enter into any social activity other than that. Hmm. And that's a shame. Do you feel that you were afraid to? Or what was the the impetus behind you kind of keeping to yourself and like shouldering it all on your own? Fear and just exhaustion. Mm -hmm. putting it all on my shoulders when I didn't have to. Mm-hmm. I had friends. I had family. But no, I had to do it all myself. You don't have to do it all yourself. That's why you're stressed and angry and depressed. So where do you think the idea of having to do it all yourself came from? I think it comes from things that you see in media and just. My mom was, for a time, a single mother. 
mm-hmm. watching her work so hard. I think those things kind of influenced what I thought was motherhood. Mm. But I saw my grandmother yeah, and she had been married for years and she had not had this. So I don't know why I raised you all in such chaos. Mm. From my side of things, I'll say that it didn't feel like chaos. And um, I'm also, I'm intrigued by the the modeling, I guess, because you mentioned you had probably seen things in the media and then also you had seen your mom and you kind of wanted to emulate how she was going through things. And I felt kind of similarly with you. And um, as I've already said to the listener, my mom is an amazing homemaker, like cooks amazing food. The house is always amazing, like amazingly decorated and always put together and everything. Um, And I felt a lot of pressure to be like that too. Mm. When like my interests truly lie outside of those activities, you know, I kind of do them because we've got to do them. (laughs) But, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I like the things that I'm doing right now with you, like the podcast and doing things that are more like entrepreneurial. And so I'm curious for you, mom, how did you eventually find your own like authentic style of mothering? And what did that look like for you once you allowed yourself to kind of step out of the shadow of other mothers, you know, in media and beyond? It just felt comfortable to nurture. Mm-hmm. I've always been a nurturer, and once I allowed myself to let go of my fear of whatever it was, I don't even know what fear, my fears, my angers, Mm -hmm. and be vulnerable to love my children and to be present in the moment, Mm -hmm. that's when I was able to, to do it. Yeah. And so, okay, you had four kids and you're trying to, you know, raise them and learn them. And you're also raising yourself and learning yourself. And then you're also married. How? (laughs) And I know dad, like you said, he was working full time. And then there was a moment where he was going to grad school and all of that. So how did you tend to your marriage with all of these other things going on? See, that took a while to to realize we weren't really tending to our marriage. Mm. And probably till the later years of your lives did we realize we weren't taking time for ourselves and we were just basically getting through it, so to speak, you know? Mm -hmm. And we really needed to look at ourselves and look at our marriage and be honest that we were so focused on children and rearing that we lost ourselves. Mm. So these last few years, it's been about mama and dada. Yes. So for the listener, how many years have you been married? 31, going on 32 this year, Yay. I believe. Congratulations. <laughs> 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 a long time. Yes. What are some of the biggest lessons you've learned in having a partner throughout all that you've experienced in life um, for such a long time? 
not to be so serious about it. You know what I mean? In the sense that when you're, if you're having an argument and you think your point is the right point and he thinks his point is the right point and you're fussing, 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 fussing and you don't agree and you walk away, then you start to think about it. What was I arguing about? Why was I so serious about that? And then you begin to think about his point. Then he's probably thinking about your point. When you get up in, in, in years, mm-hmm. it's not that serious anymore. Mm-hmm. It becomes about the time that you have together. And what really matters is that you are on this path together. Mm-hmm. And you want to see each other do well. Yeah, that's huge. Mm-hmm. And um, at some point, you you come back together and you remember. Wait a minute, what are we arguing for? It's not that serious. Good point. Yeah, I think sometimes we can just hold fast to our our points, as you mentioned, out of just being stubborn sometimes, or just really you know, not wanting to compromise or concede. But like you said, if you walk away for a moment and allow yourself to calm down and think about what's really going on and what's really at stake. And oftentimes, you know, it's not, like you said, it's just not that serious. So right. why be fighting about it? Right. And yeah. just, just remember to always communicate. And communication gets gets easier as you you get get older, I think. And the more time you have with your your significant other because you begin to relax into who you are mm-hmm. and you begin to trust and you're willing to be vulnerable mm-hmm. and you're willing to express the things that you may not have expressed last year mm. for fear of. And whatever that of is, who knows? Yeah, but just eventually it kind of falls away. Mm-hmm. Another thing I like to talk about too is just being a woman as we get older and what that's like. Cause I feel like we don't hear enough about that as young women. Are you open to sharing more? Okay. Um, yeah. Cause as a young girl, you know, I was taught about periods and pregnancy and very, very little about postpartum, but it seems as if the education kind of stopped there. I definitely never learned much about what's beyond the childbearing years. Um, So I was wondering if you would share more about your personal experience in maturing as a woman and what that has looked like for you. Well, um, for me, I'm in, I guess what they call pre or perimenopause. Mm -hmm. So I'm in the beginning stages of menopause. And for me, I haven't had any symptoms such as hot flashes or or anything like those kind of things or the night sweats. I haven't had any of those. Mm. But I have had um, irregular cycles. I, I have had um, other issues that, that have come because of I don't know if my age or just family history. I'm curious too about whether or not you feel a distinction in 
in your maturity? Do you feel wiser? Like, what does it feel like to be kind of on the other side of, you know, child rearing and and all of that? I do. I feel wiser, but I I do feel somewhat younger too. Hmm. In what ways? Like I have the rest of my life to explore. I have the rest of my life to learn something new. I have um, the rest of my life to watch Milo grow. So I feel like new adventures are coming up that I didn't, you know what I mean? That I didn't have before. Right. And I feel lucky, even though I do have other issues that are pressing. I get up from sitting down and my bones ache and my eyesight is out of whack. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, yeah, so those things are other things that may come with the perimenopause or premenopause. Yeah. And I also, I'm always fascinated by our culture's obsession with youth. And then it seems like for women, you know, in the media that they're kind of just tossed aside as they age. Um, because of course our appearance changes, things aren't, you know, in the same position as they might've been before and whatever you've had kids, you've, you've lived life at the end of the day. And there can be a preoccupation I've seen with younger women and like, how am I going to snap back to my pre-baby body or how am I going to, you know, keep myself in this, in this state, you know, so that it seems like no time has passed. What was your experience in physically getting older and seeing your body and your appearance change with the years? Ooh, first of all, I love my grays. Yes. I love them too. Yes. I love my gray hairs. I'm not dying my hair. Seeing my wrinkles that are setting in, I, I'm i okay with. I feel like I've earned everything. Mm. I feel like each gray hair, I've earned every wrinkle I've earned, my smile lines I've earned. I feel like I've earned it. Even the aches and pains, to some degree, I've <laughs> earned, although I don't want them. <laughs> Yeah, that's good to hear. Um, yes. I feel like you've always modeled what, it didn't really have a name for it when we were growing up, but now people would call it body positivity, you know, and just not making such a big deal out of aesthetics and like, oh, you should be thinner or you should gain some weight. You know, you've never made comments like that. Never. And um, I'm extremely grateful because it's hard enough as it is to be bombarded with all these images all the time of quote unquote, the perfect body right? Um, that, you know, to have had, like, if we would have had that coming from you too, it, you know, it's a lot to carry. I think so too. I think that's really hard on um, society. It, there's just no place for it. It's, it's unfortunate. It's, it's out there. Mm-hmm. But in having models, like role models, like you and other women who are willing to just be who they are, you know, and to to own the fact that, as you said, you've earned it. You've earned all that has come with age. And aging is not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I think sometimes from 
the media, you know, the ever looming media, um, we can start to feel like aging is something that we don't want or that that shouldn't happen. You know, we should do everything at all costs to keep aging at bay. And really that's just completely unnatural. That's true. So, okay. Well, I'm trying to think of how to come full circle because I normally at this point, as I start wrapping up, I um, ask my guest where people can keep in touch with you. But for the listener, my mom is not on social media. (laughs) (laughs) I am not uh, savvy on any any uh forms of uh media <laughs> <laughs> and that's all right um so what about some closing words what are some of some closing words that you would like to leave the listeners with how about be honest with yourself listen to who you are and speak your truth perfect all right is there anything else you wanted to say mom <laughs> I am so proud of you. Congratulations on your first year. Thank you. And many, many more to come. Yes. It's um, been a labor of love, but it's been a wonderful learning experience. Um, Every single week sitting down in front of a mic and having either conversations with myself or, um, or a guest. So... I wouldn't trade it for the world. Please don't. And that's it for this episode of Young Honest Mother, the podcast, which means it's time for you to join the conversation. Share your thoughts on social media and tag me at Young Honest Mother. And then pass this episode along to friends and family who need to know that they're not alone on this journey either. Until next time, I'm your host, Maris Young. <laughs>